what we need to look at as a, as a species right now, as we are standing, you know, on a threshold, on an evolutionary threshold, and uh, we need all the support we can get, you know, to make this step, to open ourselves to this new information which needs to be embodied. And I think, you know, that meditation is a powerful tool which can help us to clear the mind so that we can resonate more deeply with what wants to emerge now, which is exactly, you know, a deep embodied understanding of the fact that we are not separate from the planet, but that we are planet. We are just, you know, little pieces of planet walking around. Just like, you know, a tree is part of the planet. In our case, our roots are energetic roots, so we can't really see them, but we can learn to tune in. And that's what I would like, you know, us to uh, look into today. And then, you know, further along in the training program, which I will offer here at the Aloka Earth Room, which is going to be called uh, Earthworm Practice for the Anthropocene. So really, you know, coming down to the ground and humbling ourselves to connect with this planet in a way we haven't done before. So I'd like to start with a guided meditation to just for all of us to arrive here. So please, you know, take a screenshot of how you are right now. Mind emotions and body how stressed are you right now what are you bringing you know into the meeting into the moment it's all okay as is but it's important to know it Just including everything what is there, everything you are finding. Meditation isn't about changing our experience, but meditation is about being conscious. And allowing things to be as they are, because they change by themselves. We don't need to interfere. And connecting, you know, with our body as an anchor. Anchoring us deeply into this planet. We are made up of this just the same elements as the planet itself. There's no difference. And let us, you know, let us uh, tap our teeth together and feel the hardness of that. That is earth element. Earth element stands for structure, hardness as opposed to softness. And, you know, we are particularly aware of that in our bones, in the fingernails, in the teeth. 
and the teeth are the tips of the bones. And then you're just starting on the top of the head, just becoming aware of bones, hardness, the skull. And, you know, not forcing or kind of trying to pressure for a particular experience, but just allowing my words to sink in and allowing the mind to respond in the way it can respond. So hardness, head, and then sweeping down from the head to the neck, the vertebrae, hardness, neck, earth element, and then coming to the shoulders, hardness, earth element, Then the upper arms, hardness, earth element. The lower arms, hardness, earth element. And the hands, hardness, earth element. And the torso with the ribcage and the spine, hardness, earth element. And from there we come to the hip area, the pelvis, hardness, earth element. And then the upper legs high bones, hardness, earth element. The lower legs, hardness, earth element. And the feet, hardness, earth element. This whole body is permeated by earth element. Earth element internally, and earth element externally in the mountains and the rocks is exactly the same earth element. Earth element is empty, empty of a self. And if we don't take in earth elements through food for more than one or two months, this body is going to fall apart. The same is with the water element. And the body is made out of 75% of water element, which is just the same water element as the rivers and lakes and the rains and fire element. This body can only exist in a certain temperature range. Otherwise it freezes or it evaporates. And this heat element comes fire element comes from the sun. And then there's the wind element, which is 
humming into the body through the breath and then be released as CO2 into the biosphere and then uh, if we don't breathe for more than three minutes this body is going to fall apart. If we don't drink for more than a week this body is falling apart. So this shows us very clearly that body and environment are not separate. This is just an optical illusion due to the sense organs we have and the conditioning, you know, which conditions us into a worldview of separation through language and through our upbringing. It's just so deeply ingrained that we need to make a great effort to slowly work ourselves out of that. And that's what uh, this meditation supports. So that we get in touch ever more with, with a complete different body sense. And this is work and this is a training which needs to be uh, applied consistently. So if you're in touch now with your body and the weight of the body on the chair or on the cushion, we also can become aware of the ground underneath our feet and our knees are met. And allow you know your awareness to sink into the ground. And let your body and your nervous system guide you. The sense of soil underneath you. So this downward movement, you know, which can just go along with the gravity which keeps us connected to this planet. It shows us very clearly, you know, where we come from and where we belong, as long as we have a body like this. And then, you know, is that easy for you to sink into the ground with your awareness? If it's not easy, don't push. Just noticing what are you bringing to this moment as a earth body on a planet which consists of the same elements as your body. What's between that truth and our momentary experience? That's important to know. And not to push, just allowing and respecting what we are bringing to the moment. If there's numbness, then that's what is here. There's a reason for that. 
if it's easy for you to connect you know with the gravity with the soil sinking into the planet you know knowing that there is a long lineage of ancestors which have formed this soil from which you know our food comes and from which we have come there's many many ancestors not only human which you know form this soil but also animal ancestors plant ancestors mineral ancestors liquid ancestors they all you know have together formed this planet in particular you know the layer of soil which is just like about over 2 million years old it's quite recent development but for our existence it is very very important everything what we have in order to continue those bodies a lot of it comes from out of the soil of the earth element which is a much more than a human affair and we need to start to allow that truth you know to penetrate our old world views open to a wider context so that we you know we can adjust and grow our perceptions of who we are and then from after that adjustment and growth we will respond in different ways we are just at the moment still caught in old ways of interpreting our experience you know and if we start to connect with this huge network of roots we start to connect with a vast living field of life you know which has information for us a huge network the biosphere an evolving system a process of which we are part so humanity is part of the biosphere humanity isn't on top of it even that's the way you know how we go about science and how we go about technology like if we would be on top of it and could control and guided we can only tune into it and then there surely some choices we can make but we need to have much more humility in the face of this massive intelligence which we can never really fully understand because we are part of it we are not outside of it
But what we can do is that we tune into this data flow of this entire field. And that's, you know, this field we can call this Dhamma. Or in other traditions it might be called, you know, Dhammakaya, God, or whatever you want to call it. It is something which cannot really be pinned down with a human mind. But we can notice, you know, how we feel if we ground ourselves in a very different way of relating. That's where we have a choice. We can uh, train ourselves to relate differently. And that's what this uh, meditation is all about. You know, to allow us to have a direct experience of being part of a much wider context. And to see, you know, how we are standing on the shoulders of former generations. And every generation is the ground for the next generation to flourish. And that's what our duty also is. You know, we, we, we are the ground for the next generation. And how much of, uh, you know, life and strength and complexity has been passed down to us. Resilience and capacity and also trauma. And just noticing how that feels if we allow the mind to open to this context and just taking our seat, you know, with all of the ancestors behind us and all of the future beings in front of us and we are a little link in that vast chain which goes back into deep time And we are not alone in this. We don't have to save anything, don't have to save the world. But we just need to become conscious of who we are. And then, you know, respond from that understanding. Inviting emergence into ourselves as a vessel for what wants to be known, what wants to be lived, 
Next. We are like a community, you know, which is a, a vessel. The Earthca group is a vessel inside of this evolutionary process. And each of us, we are vessels as well, individual vessels. And just coming back, you know, to our hearts and, you know, knowing I'm embedded in an amazing web of intelligence that is much more than human. We can feel that. This is a felt sense through this meditation, through connecting with our roots. I am embedded in an amazing web of intelligence that is much more than human. And this is a ancient, ancient, billion years old process and we can be part of this process if we want to, rather than, you know, trying to move the deck chairs on the Titanic, we can just like look at the process itself. It's a, a field of exploration. And it can, you know, this root power can connect us with the wisdom we already hold inside. And we just are not aware of it yet because we have been trained as separate beings. And this process, you know, unfolds energy as we start to engage it. And to engage it as a community is the best way to do it. You know, as the past heals, you know, the past ways of understanding ourselves as separate beings, as that heals through practice, the future opens up more capacity, more responsibility comes forth, you know, because it's an ability which comes from connecting with our inner wisdom which is natural because we are part of the biosphere which is a huge intelligent process and you know then like to slowly you know end the meditation by you know saying that uh, the planet is not in a crisis we are in a crisis. Human beings are in a crisis. And if we want to care for the planet, we have to find ways, you know, to fine-tune our equipment, which is our bodies and minds, so that we can respond from 
a much more realistic understanding of who we are. So, you know, maybe you slowly like to open your eyes. And just, you know, look around in the Zoom room and see, you know, you're not alone. We are a whole community of, of people who are interested, you know, to find ways to respond. And who have also, you know, had the good fortune to make contact with the Buddha's teaching, which is an excellent training, you know, for making the best of with what we have got, you know, through this human birth. It's a crisis of consciousness, you know. It's a crisis of the human species, which needs to evolve. The planet will take care of itself because it's just going to kick us off, you know, if we don't make enough headway so that we can continue to stay around. And, you know, there have been a species of Homo which lived before us which have died out because they did not succeed. You know, Neanderthals and Homo erectus, Homo habilis, all of those, they have been doing their homo work, you know, for so and so long, and then they just went underground again, which is also okay, you know. But as a as a practitioner, you know, we want to really connect with what's happening. We need to bring the Buddhist teaching into the questions of our time, and you know, being part of a species which knows that we are at the threshold of something new, you know, which wants to be embodied. That's a very powerful time. And that's what we have been practicing for, you know, to be really able to stay steady and open to the, all of this. It's a, it's a practice, you know, which is waking up and growing up, intertwined. You know, embodying what we have seen in the practice about non-separation or not-self, anatta, emptiness. You know, to really start to live from that place, that's like something, you know, which takes needs a lot of training and support. And, you know, doing it as a community, that's the way to do it. And for me, you know, that has really two keywords came come to mind when I think about this, you know, and that there are humus, humus, you know, which is a word for soil, and humility, that they have the same root. And, you know, our crisis is a crisis of humility, really, as uh, human beings. A crisis of humility, you know, a crisis of... Uh, a species which thinks that we need to be the master of the planet. We need to kind of, or we even thinking that we can really understand fully what, what the implications are 
if we interfere, you know, with the natural processes to a degree, you know, which is now, you know, showing us that it just can't go on this way, that the planet is responding, you know, with many powerful messages, you know, in terms of uh, what we call climate change. But in reality, for me, you know, it really is, uh, it's actually uh, a big mirror, you know, which the planet is holding up to us. So that we might be able, you know, to snap out of the assumptions that uh, how we are conducting, you know, science is just so centralized around us. You know, it's all centralized around uh, how can the planet serve us? How can the planet give us more? How can the planet uh, be useful for us? That's how science is uh, couched, you know. And this is where, you know, this is a worldview from which we need to evolve. We need to unlearn a lot of this. And this is just the way it is. You know, we are like, a, as a species, it looks like we are kind of about at adolescent uh, age, you know, where we want to have all the support from the parents, but we don't want to take on any duties yet because we don't understand. We, we don't have the maturity. And that's how we are as a species. We are young. And that's okay, you know. But as soon as you kind of start to understand more the connection between, you know, all of the environmental issues, you know, which we are facing now with earthquakes and uh, droughts and floods and hurricanes and everything. If we can understand that this is just the parents or the mother, you know, shouting at us, look at what you're doing, you know, look at how you are living you need to kind of grow up. You need to deal with the, you need to take on some chores, you know, you need to take on some responsibility. And if you don't know how to do it, then you have to train yourself. I think that's the situation we are in, you know. And and the practices, you know, um, for example, the, the element practice is just one example, you know, of practices which can help us to attune to the fact that the world is also alive. The world is not just a stage, you know, for us to run around and and have what we want and throw away what we don't want. No, the world is alive and we are part of it. Humanity is part of the biosphere, not separate. We are part of the planet and the planet is part of us. And that's just something quite difficult to really understand because we are all really caught up deeply in this conditioning of separation because that's just like the way we have been operating for a very long time. Because it's just an evolutionary stage, you know, and that's okay. But now it comes to the end, you know, it can no longer be our guiding principle because it's, it destroys us really.
So we need to fall back onto the ground, you know, humility and humus. We need to fall back onto the ground and listen. The planet isn't simply a resource base for human continuity. The planet is alive. And it's not all about us. You know, like a adolescent thinking all about me and how is my hair and how do I, you know, all of that stuff from your own children. It's kind of endearing on one level, but it's getting downright dangerous now. It is dangerous already. And for many people, you know, who are in much more dire circumstances than us, it's already, you know, they had already to leave their houses. They had already to leave their countries their islands and so on and so forth. It's it's a big issue. So and that's why I'm I'm calling this earthworm practice, you know, because it's about humbling ourselves to come back onto the ground and dive in, you know. Into the darkness of not knowing what to do, into the messiness, you know, of uh, not knowing how to respond. But that's where we have to start. We have to start where we are. And that's, you know, one layer of what's happening right now. And we need to be able to sit with that and to open to that and take it with us. Because we are like earthworms, you know, they don't know where they are going really. But they just, you know, they open to what's in front of their mouth and take it in, digest it, and, and it comes out the other end. And that's how they're doing a huge service to us, you know. They aerate the soil, whole huge, you know, armies of earthworms. Just being, you know, in service of the process. And I think, you know, that's, that's a kind of an attitude which we can cultivate. You know, it's called con constancy, patient endurance. You know, the Buddha is on record to having said that patient endurance is the most important quality on the path. It's not a very flamboyant quality, but it is nevertheless very imp important. Patient endurance. You know, to stay with the discomfort of the messiness of the process. Of not knowing exactly where we are going, of not knowing exactly what to do. But being with what is and then allowing to respond, the response, you know, to come through. And it starts, you know, with this humility of coming back to the ground. And it's not going to be like a flamboyant, huge rescue hero kind of a movie. No, it's going to be an earthworm uh, existence, you know. And, you know, that's why we need community. I think, you know, to be earthworms together is much easier than to be a lonely earthworm. And Ajahn Chah, you know, one of the uh, famous uh, forest tradition masters of the last century, he spoke about this earthworm practice a lot 
in relationship to constancy of practice. And you know, not taking oneself so important that one has to make like a huge contribution, which is like in the TV or on the newspapers. No, just be an earthworm. That's good enough. But be that fully. You know, and leaving behind beaten tracks and developing new capacities to sense our deep embeddedness in the web of life. You know, to basically... Um, our senses, you know, they have much more potential than what we are using. They can be developed further through practice. So these are torment potential of our bodies and of our minds, of our nervous system, which we can activate, you know. It's the same, you know, there were previous species of homo which couldn't do certain things, you know, they could not... Uh, they didn't have any language. There was no capacity for abstract thinking. They couldn't use, you know, their bodies in a certain... Neanderthals were on record for not having been able, you know, to take a spear and shoot it from a distance. So they had to always go into very close combat with any animals. This was very dangerous, you know. But then the next species was able to, to you know, be from a distance to um, hunt an animal. That was a big, you know, progress in terms of looking after themselves. So as I'm absolutely convinced that we have a lot of dormant capacities which we can activate. And there needs to be intention and there needs to be a training system. And for example, you know, we are speaking about the seven factors of awakening in the Buddha's teaching, which is, you know, seven qualities of the mind, which we can fine-tune through practice, which allows us, you know, to, in an ever deeper way, to understand reality, how it works. And over time, you know, that sense of being separate from it, that just starts to evaporate. And that's exactly, you know, what we need to work on if we want to be able to fully take advantage of our equipment, you know, the body and the minds we have. They are like biocomputers, which are billions of years old, have been handed down to us over generations, you know, from the Big Bang until today. This is a huge potential, you know, which we have here. We are not victims. We are players, you know, but we have to uh, take it in that we are just like little cogs, you know, little, little wheels in a huge process. We are not masters of this process and we have to give up that sense of mastery, you know, which is part of the patriarchal view of uh, life and, you know, how science is done and how technology is, is, is done. It's an it's a outmoded view which has to uh, give way, you know, to the next phase of our being here on this planet or being here as this planet.
and to consciously you know know this is is actually very inspiring I've, to me at least you know because it has happened many times before you know when when for example you know fish came on land for the first time and developed some ways of motion you know, some legs or whatever that must have been a huge challenge for them or when apes you know came down from the trees and started to walk upright rather than swinging from branch to branch that must have been very scary for them and they did it so I feel like for us also we are on, on an evolutionary threshold you know where we can where we can choose to dive in or just defending it and saying no 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 I want to stay separate but I'm very scared at the same time because I feel so vulnerable you know I feel so disconnected from everything I feel so lonely I feel so kind of impoverished so there is a way you know out of that which is to completely let go of that story which is just like a bunch of conditioning and I know it's not easy but to know that you know and to set that intention is can be a beginning you know And that's how it always works. You know, the mind is the forerunner of all things. The Buddha says that very clearly. So, you know, to come online with this much vaster intelligence than our little human brains and learn to connect with something much bigger than ourselves and to you know, basically receive this information, allow this to inform us, to come into our form, literally, this is what information means, and then to embody it. That's what we can learn to do. And at the same time, we unlearning this assumed mastery over nature. And that the planet needs to be instrumental to us. That needs to go. That's like the old worldview that is not cutting it anymore, you know. And it's killing us, really. It produces this human crisis. And on the other hand, you know, we can also say that the environmental situation is like forcing us as a big mirror, you know, forcing us to turn inside and look at ourselves. And that's a good thing. It's an outer obstacle which serves evolution. And that's how it's always worked, you know. When, for example, uh, you know, the rainforests in East Africa started to dry up and, and East Africa became a savanna, that's when that happened, you know, that the apes had to come down from the trees because they could no longer swing from tree to tree because there were not so many trees anymore. They had to start walking because the grass in the savanna was very high and they had to be able to see, you know, what's happening. Are there any predators? They had to carry some stuff also. They could do that only on two legs. So that's what they did. 
and here we are today, you know, that's our ancestors. If they wouldn't have done that dangerous transition, we wouldn't be here today. And they didn't have to do it like in a moment. It, it, it took time, you know, it took long, vast amounts of time. But it happened because here we are. It's the proof for it that it did happen. You know, and we can take our seat here and, and be part of that huge, deep time chain of evolution and take our little humble task here, you know, of making this conscious, bringing this into the mainstream, this consciousness. This is what we can do. And then, you know, see, see what happens. Because we have much deeper energetic roots available once we train ourselves sufficiently to connect to those ancestral roots, which take us right back into the planet as planet. And if we you know, do maintain a, a consistency in the practice, in this earthworm practice, you know, digesting all of this, composting our old views, and, you know, new realities will emerge, will dawn on us, just like the sun rising. You know, if we clear out some of the obstacles through becoming conscious, then there is space into which these new responses can emerge into. We don't have to figure them out. That's, you know, the natural intelligence of this process we are part of which has so many names, and we call it Dhamma. That's okay. We can also call it God, if you like, or call it whatever, Dhammakaya, or there's so many names, emptiness, Kuan Yin, Prajnaparamita. It's that which cannot be named in the end of the day, and it doesn't need to be. But we need to unlearn this uh, assumption of mastery, That's our, I think that's our biggest task, you know, and that feels very uncomfortable when we are on the crossroads, you know, where the old is kind of dying or has already died and the new hasn't really clearly shown itself, you know. We are in this, we are at this, this moment, you know. But that's why it's important to be in community with this. Because it can be scary. But as soon as we connect more deeply, you know, with our ancestral root system and can participate in that more fully, it will change. You know, you'll, you'll start to experience yourself different. And there's even like a sense of, like a subtle sense of excitement there, you know. Yay. Wow. So I think that's where I'd like to stop today. <laughs>